Welcome to the Faith-Led Business Podcast, a home for entrepreneurs who want to take their God-given gifts and use them to strategically create a legacy of success for themselves and the people that they serve. My name is Monica Perez Burnett. I am your host, mom of eight with two sets of twins. I am a visibility coach, lover of all things tech, and I aim for you to live a life of faith over fear. So welcome, everybody. We are going to be talking about boundaries today with my new best buddy, Erica. And um, I'm going to have her introduce uh, kind of a little bit of her background and stuff, but I will be sharing a little bit about her that she sent me. So Erica, she's been an attorney for the past 20 years um, in Dallas, Texas. I know lots of our viewers are from actually that area. So that's kind of cool. You may bump into Erica at the store. So she has a passion and a purpose um, and calling has have actually been apart from being an attorney. She has um, she believes faith in Jesus uh, is what empowers us to not only make changes in our lives, but to truly be transformed in ways that change the trajectory of our lives, which makes total sense to me. Um, her own journey through relational upheaval and loss walking others through legal battles and walking with people through their faith and freedom journeys has given her the experience, the wisdom and practical tools to help people thrive and navigate through hard seasons of our life. Do any of you just want to like carry Erica in your pocket, like around with you every day? Because we all need somebody who can speak into our lives around all of these topics. Uh, she does public speaking, she teaches, uh, she's been teaching for a nonprofit and for-profit for a while. And there's just, a, like, I have a whole bio. I'm gonna post her bio so that you guys can see um, all of the details, but I want to introduce Erica, welcome. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me, Monica. I'm super excited to talk about this issue because I know it is such a struggle for so many people. Um, so I am excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course. Of course. So Erica, let's get started. I would love to hear, I always ask anybody who comes on, what is your faith story? How, how did it all happen? How did you get to where you are now? Um, okay. and so go ahead and share that with us. So. Um, being raised in a church home and in a believing community, I, I'm, I'm picking the part of my story that's most relevant to today. <laughs> um, because, and it's a big, it's a huge part of my story. Um, but I was raised in a very performance driven home, um, very religious home. And um, I, my natural personality is to be an achiever. Like that's, you know, so I naturally want to achieve goals and I, I derive value from that. Um, but being in that type of household, it really is became the only place I derived any value from. And so it sent me on a course of just really becoming a workaholic and one of those people that constantly needed validation through um, accomplishment. And it, it left me relationally. There was no boundaries and work wise. There was no boundaries. 
And so even through law school, I mean, I was at law school 24 seven, anyone who went to law school could attest to this. Um, I was a national champion a national finalist and, you know, like just needing that sense of accomplishment. And when I got out in the real world and started practicing law, you don't get those trophies at the end of things. You don't get those, you know, good grades on a card, you know? <laughs> and so really searching for those places to get that same sense of, of validation and, um, really crying out to the Lord and, and through a lot of that process um, as a believer, but also really having gotten into my own crutch of functioning a lot in my own strength and literally exhausting myself. And so several years into my practice, um, I literally hit burnout and I hit burnout early because I didn't start that when I started practicing law. I had lived a life that way up until that point. And it was, um, 2003 and it was towards the end of the year and I was just at a breaking point. I was literally at the place where I was exhausted. I was running myself ragged. I had, I didn't feel like I had any work-life balance. I didn't have a lot of life outside of work. And I remember sitting in my office and it was about 9:30 one night and I was just, I was exhausted and I had a deposition the next day and I was preparing and I, I, mind you, I had been preparing, but for me, nothing was ever enough right? Like I had never done enough. I had no concept of when I had done enough. It was as long as there was like an ounce of energy left in my body, I felt like it was my responsibility to utilize that to accomplish whatever my goal was. And I had no concept of when it was the Lord's turn. And I just began to cry out in my office and I'm literally in tears. And I'm like, Lord, when have I done enough? And when is it your turn? And it, literally I had this conversation with the Lord where it's like, if this is when I've done enough and I'm trying to do it where I'm on the screen, if this is the line of when I've done enough and when it's the Lord turn and I've been living over here most of my life, I couldn't even see this line of demarcation. Like I had no concept where that was. And I literally was rationalizing in my mind. I mean, physically I can stay awake longer. I'm just so tired. And I literally didn't know if it was my responsibility to keep going, even though I could barely function because physically I could push past or if I should go home and go to sleep because I was so tired and there was no, no grid for that at all for me. It was just to always keep pushing. And this, I ended up folding my, you know, cause I just cried. I literally cried because I was so tired and I told the Lord, I was like, I don't know. In this conversation we're having, I had with the Lord and I was like, I'm going to go home and I'm going to go get some sleep. And I'm going to trust that tomorrow I come in and I'm going to be prepared. And so what ended up happening was that that's what happened. I came in the next day and not only did everything go smoothly and well, but I was like overly prepared and like it just went amazingly well. And so something shifted in my heart in the sense of realizing that I had never trusted the Lord with that part of my life, that I had always been kind of pushing that myself and having no boundaries in that area of my life at all. And it unlocked this whole six months, which actually things got worse than better. Um, because the grace that I had survived on. So the Lord, a lot of times in our brokenness will give us grace to be broken in that place because he's doing other stuff. And then all of a sudden, when he puts his finger on something, he lifts the grace from that. So we'll begin to deal and feel the discomfort of what we've been living in. And so what ended up happening is that happened to me. And what my, my stress went from stress to like fear, to anxiety, to panic, to terror. I started being able not to sleep at night and insomnia and acid reflux and like every physical manifestation of stress and fear, I started encompassing like over the next six months, it got very, very dark to the point that like um, I had to 
take showers with the shower curtain open because I thought somebody was trying to break in my house. I mean, literally it got nuts because the fear so consumed me. And I didn't realize behind all that need to drive and achieve and accomplish, there was so much fear underneath there. I don't think anyone would have described me as a fearful person. Um, and yet that was the driving motivator in all that I was doing, this fear of inadequacy and this fear of not being enough and this fear of failing. And um, so it got very dark before it got good. And through that process, the Lord began to remind me that I had authority and that I had the ability to stand up in my life and take authority in my life. And, and over that six months, by the end of it, it literally was as if I went from watching black and white TV my whole life to watching color and radically changed everything. And I had this sense of everything I've done up to this point in my life would burn up before the Lord because I've done it all in my own strength and have not trusted the Lord with the, you know, these things, all these things that I hung my hat on as accomplishments would burn up because I have been functioning so much in my own strength and it just changed the trajectory of my life. And what happened after that was I began to build a life. And the Lord actually brought me to Louisiana for a season and I was practicing there, but I began to build community and church life and relationships and family life and all these things where I had never had that before. Um, and I began to get full nights of sleep. I had never done that in my entire life. And, and this is the weird thing, though. I couldn't even function if I didn't have eight hours of sleep, which I'd never had in my life up to that point. <laughs> But the Lord was literally teaching me boundaries and like teaching me how to protect things in my life. And it, it got to that point where all of a sudden I had things that mattered to me that had to be protected. And so if we fast forward a few years right before the Lord brought me back to um, Dallas. Um, I came out here for a job interview and I was literally I was my life. My quality of life was so good in the sense of being fulfilled and feeling like I had things that mattered, not just work, not just, you know, I had, I had a full life. And when this job opportunity opened, it was a good opportunity, but I was like, I am not willing to just leave what I've, what I've built, um, you know, with the Lord over these years for just anything. And so I really did it more as kind of like, I'll entertain the opportunity, but so I went in there and this is where the boundaries really came to push and shove, because when I walked in that interview, because I had this sense of value and this sense of these are things I protect, these are things that matter to me. Um, in that interview, I had never been this bold in my life. And in the legal community, I don't know what other people's interviews look like, but I was literally like, hey, I'm not willing to do these things. These are things I am willing to do. If you're looking for a person who's going to run the rat race and be here 24 seven, I'm not your person. Like I need a full life. And for me to show up best for you, I need a life outside of work. And really, like, I don't mind working some weekends, but I will not be here every weekend. Like, I, and I had never in my life been so firm and I wasn't ugly. I was very, you know, I actually enjoyed the interview immensely and I actually got the job. But what I didn't know is setting those boundaries for one, it, it, it when you pay a price um, for something, you become very protective of those things. They, they, they are, they're valuable to you and boundaries are what protect that. And whether it's your own self, like when we do the work in ourselves, we have to protect those healthy parts of ourselves or our external things, the things that we put, you know, give our life to, we have to protect those things and boundaries are what help us do that. But what I didn't know is that boss that I was about to go work for was boundary less. <laughs> and so me starting the, I mean, out of the gate, setting such firm boundaries and having those conversations created an ability for my time there to always have those conversations and to be able to say, Hey, 
we agreed early on this is what this would look like and you know have those kind of so as i began to see that um this how boundaries were serving me not just in my personal life but in my work life it became really something that became a mantra for my life it's a really big thing and so there are not very many friends i have that don't um do life with me where i'm not possible like constantly pushing them out to set boundaries with people or to, you know, say, Hey, you know, these are, you know, you need to step up and own the trajectory of your life in order to do that. You have to place boundaries here, you know? And so that's really where it shifted for me. And that was, um, a lot of years ago, <laughs> it's a lot of years ago, but it totally radically changed the trajectory of my life. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. I can uh, I can totally relate to your story. I even went through Workaholics Anonymous, uh, nice. like through the program, because uh, because I I get it. I get the the seeking of of approval uh, was so there, and yeah. like you mentioned, the fear that also triggered something right there. It was um, it was a combination of both of those things mm -hmm. that um, that led me to be a people pleaser. Yet. Mm -hmm physically and mentally getting myself to a place where I could be ineffective for myself, mm -hmm. family, the people that God had assigned for me um, to work with and so forth. So I love that you're, you're bringing this to light because not many people talk about the importance of it. They know it, they've heard of it, but mm -hmm. they don't talk about actually what does it look like to implement this yes. in your life? Yeah. And that's super, super important. Mm -hmm. I'm going um, to throw a question at you really quick. Okay kind of came to mind. So when you, um, because I know that workaholism is a, it can be very easy to fall into that mm -hmm. trap, especially as entrepreneurs, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so I was wondering as you, as you go, I know you have some other things, but maybe you can weave this into it. Um, what is, what are the things that people who have ten, like workaholic tendencies or, or are trying to strive to identify or have their work be their identity uh what are some things that they can do to kind of pinpoint identify that make changes in that create schedules mm -hmm. and so forth so um mm -hmm. keep that in mind as you um as you move forward so tell us i know you were going to talk about just boundaries in general yeah and i just want to just a brief comment on that um yeah. what i loved in my story is that the lord started the boundary conversation between me and him you know, I mean, the con the conversation didn't actually start external to me about, hey, don't work these hours or, hey, you know, the conversation was really like, Lord, when have I done enough? And then you step in, you know, and that is really what started the boundary conversation. And me learning that was learning the boundaries with the Lord and learning that I couldn't do his part. And that when I try to do his part, I literally am trying to step in as the Lord in my life. And so there was, you know, having that part of like learning what's your responsibility and what's not and what you take ownership and what you don't for, you know, in, in relationship with the Lord, as I learned it there, then you begin to emulate that in your work life and in your personal life and where you're deriving your identity from. I mean, that's a huge deal. If you're deriving your identity from your work, you are a hundred percent going to be a workaholic. You're going to be a person that rises and falls based on your success in the work life. And if that's all you want in your life, that's one thing. But if you want to be a full rounded person, and especially as a believer, our identity needs to be rooted in who we are in the Lord. And what we do is an extension of that, but it's not who we are. 
And so I think you have to go, you know, you've got to start with those real foundational places of asking those questions. And when you see your tendencies to be overdoing, to step back and say, what am I functioning as right now? Am I functioning as someone who sources in the Lord and identities in the Lord? Or am I making my value as a person rise and fall on this one thing? Um, and so I think it's a good, I mean, those are good questions to ask yourself anytime you find yourself in those patterns, you know. Um, but what I do want to say just you know, just to kind of jumpstart a little bit is to say, you know, when we talk about what boundaries are, um, I love to say, you know, it's it's really the demarcation line between where we start and end and someone else begins. You know, it's the demarcation line between me and everything else, you know, and, and what is mine is what I'm responsible for. You know, Dr. Henry Cloud refers to it as property lines. And I love this for several reasons. Um, you know, when if you Imagine yourself, you know, your home, let's just say your home, everything within the boundaries of your lot, you know, your house, your yard, everything within those boundaries belongs to you. And it's your responsibility. You have control over it. So you get to determine what happens there. You have freedom to use that space as you want and determine how you want to develop there. And you have responsibility with any freedom comes responsibility. So you have responsibility to upkeep and to maintain and to determine what comes in and out of your yard. Right. Um, and so in the legal world, we have this concept called adverse possession. And if you're in Texas, you would know uh, I it's not called adverse possession everywhere, but it is in Texas. And what it is, is basically if you and I are neighbors and you begin to start you know, you go on my front yard and one day you, you know, just dig up the ground and you build a, let's just say you build an herb garden there. And you begin to tend to that herb garden, do all the stuff in that herb garden. And next thing you know, after a while of you doing that, you build a fence around it and you begin to treat that herb garden like it's yours. Well, meanwhile, I see you doing that and I let you do that and I don't do anything about it. And after a while, I forget that's even my property. And I forget that I even have responsibility for it and that that's even mine to tend to. And legally, at some point, if that goes on long enough, the, that neighbor, you, can go and actually claim legal title to that land because you've been holding it out as yours all this time and treating it like yours and taking care of it and tending to it. And now you can claim title to it. And so I feel like, you know, if you look at boundaries that way, that is often what you know we give our power away to other people and what happens is when their boundaries aren't clear when you know it's confusing on who has responsibility for what and you start either giving your power away or you're taking on somebody else's stuff um and if you're taking on somebody else's stuff you are taking on the responsibility for it without the control to actually make it happen because it's really their responsibility so it can create a lot of frustration and confusion within the context of relationships whether it's in work or play because, you know, you've got to know your boundary and your parameters. And so you hear people really that struggle with boundaries and or don't have boundaries use concepts or words frequently like I have to, I don't have a choice. What can I do about it? You know, those are kind of concepts where people are, they'll tend to say things like, and if you say that once, I'm not saying that's you, but I'm saying if those are frequent things in your vernacular, then it probably means you're having a real problem with boundaries in your life. You're not recognizing what is within your control, what is your freedom to decide, and what is your responsibility to steward. Um, so 
that is just kind of a general, does that kind of give a good idea? Like you get, are you with me on what boundaries are? <laughs> a thousand percent. Okay, great. Okay. Um, so, and in having said that, you know, when we talk about like what do boundaries do? Well, like in any context, and I'll go through several things that I think like boundaries do, and obviously you can chime in as you want, but one of the things, like when people hear the word boundaries, a lot of times it has this like, <gasps> Like they're setting a boundary with me. Oh, it's a bad thing. Oh, you know, whatever. It's and, and the thing is, boundaries are the things that actually protect relationship. It creates mutual understanding and informed expectations, you know. And so when it actually is a thing that protects relationship and I talk about this a lot Um I can't do that today because we don't have the time, but healthy confrontation is like a huge deal in, you know, setting, establishing and honoring boundaries. Um, and so there has to be those places of being able to come together and, and set and set boundaries with people in order to protect the relationship. And what that's actually doing is saying, hey, this relationship matters to me. And because it does, I need to set boundaries so that it's healthy for both of us. That's me saying I want to be in. If I don't want to be in, I won't set a boundary. I'll just leave the relationship. You know, um, but as a healthy person or an unhealthy person might stay in it and be a mug. Right. But as a healthy person, I'm either going to find a way to have health within the relationship and set healthy boundaries, which means I'm in relationally or I'm going to step away from the relationship. But more often than not, especially with in my life, I will always communicate healthy boundaries. And if people decide they don't the boundaries are not good for them and they don't like that, then they're well, you know, they can leave. Um, and so you have to get comfortable with that ebb and flow relationally of, of letting people make those choices. That's that's not just you honoring yourself. It's also you honoring other people and their choices. Um, so boundaries really do protect relationships. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to ask you a question around that. If you are a person who's never been used to like kind of standing up for yourself or creating mm -hmm. a boundary and you're kind of scared of what that whole experience looks like. Do you have any recommendations as to how to muster up the courage to do that, uh, to, to actually finally like speak? You might be thinking it, but you're not really speaking it out. Okay, so it's like anything, you know, one healthy, productive step builds confidence and grows your capacity to do something more regularly. Um, and so I would say, you know, normally people won't set boundaries for a couple of reasons, and, but more often they're tied to a concept of fear um, and a, a lack of value. You know, they don't value themselves or whatever it is that's at issue. They're not placing value on it enough or their fear of like loss or failure or, you know, rejection or something like that, feeling like people aren't going to value them enough to make the adjustment. And that is a, that should speak relationally in and of itself. Do you really want to be in relationships where people are not willing to make adjustments to make the relationship more healthy? You know, and so those are big things. So I think if you're a person who is um, has a hard time doing that, start a small spot, you know, get some confidence there. Look a place in your life where it's like I need to set a boundary here. You know, maybe not start with something that's totally overwhelming to you, but some, someplace small, small and have the conversation or set the boundary. And, you know, when you do that, I think you gain those small victories that begin to build and you begin to see how effective that is in your life. And you begin to personally experience the freedom that provides in your soul. You know, like it totally will provide that in your you know, in your own heart. And so I think that makes a big difference um, in how you'll steward your life. Um, 
I love the, that. Yeah. And boundaries really are the thing. I mean, they are the thing that allow you to set priorities in your life. They're, they they are the thing that helps you focus on relationships and things that are most important to you, whether it's work, you know, family, your call, what, whatever it is. Boundaries are the things that allow you to really invest and set priorities on those things. And so that is also, you know, it's not just saying no, it's saying yes to the right things. And it's not just saying yes and no, it's allocating time and resources to those things. And so there is a thing, you know, people who have no boundaries, let's say no boundaries in their work life, their personal life is going to suffer and vice versa, because you only have so much time and resources to be able to give away. And so when you realize that, you also realize you have to be very intentional about how you spend that and how you invest that. And boundaries are the things that allow you to do that and, and place priorities in your life. If you are not intentional about your priorities, I promise you, they are not going to um, be at the forefront of your life because life has its way of taking it's, it, you know, taking over if you're not intentional. Um, you know, a, a check for me. When my life gets really kind of overwhelming, and I'm not saying a day where I'm overwhelmed, okay? Any one day we can have a day where something's just mentally over, you know, monumental, right? Um, or we're just struggling with our thought life that day, or we're, you know, whatever. But if you're having days or weeks or months of being overwhelmed and having too much on your plate and feeling spread too thin between things that matter to you, those are the kind of things where I step back and I say, okay, the, the word says that his grace is sufficient. So the Lord has allotted enough grace for me to be able to do everything he's called me to in this time. So I stop and I look and I'm saying, what in my life have I added to that? That is exhausting my resources from what he actually intended me to expend those on. And so it may mean that there's something for this season that you need to set down for a minute or for a while or forever. Um, but really kind of having those dialogues with yourself of saying, OK, right now, the, there is not grace for me to do all these things. And so what is something I need to set down? What is something that I need to, because you can't, if you have two priorities, but you have 10 things on your plate, your two priorities are not getting the attention and the resources that they need for you to do them really well. Um, and it's at the expense of all these other 10 things that may be really good things, but they're not enabling you to do the things that really matter and the things that the Lord really, you know, has for you in life. Um, Ooh, that is yeah. fire right there. I mean, and you think about like, I mean, yeah. Jesus took this to an extreme with Peter. Remember when, whenever he was telling them of, Hey, I'm about to step out and I'm about to, um, go through a lot of persecution and I'm about to go through death and resurrection. Peter like reprimanded Jesus. He actually took Jesus aside and was like, Hey, you can't talk about that. Like you, this is not going to happen. Right. And that was crossing a boundary for Jesus because Jesus had a priority. He had a call. He had a mission. He's like, this is what I'm doing. And he's like, get behind me, Satan. Right. So he set a boundary and he's like, you're looking through things through earthly eyes instead of heavenly eyes. And so he set that boundary of saying, hey, you will not you will not de derail me from my call and my purpose. Like this is a priority for me. And, and I understand even if you're well-meaning, I can't allow that to come in and detract me from what I'm called to do. And so he, I mean, he even did it. I mean, I'm not saying we have to like, you know, go to, I, I'm not going to look call at you if you out. do that. You call you Satan. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that's how serious he was about like, hey, I'm not laying off this. I'm going to set a boundary here. Like you need to know, you don't get to tell me to move aside from what God has called me to do. You know, and so there is boundary setting throughout the word, throughout the word.
Um, yeah. I love that. That that right there, I mean, we could end it right there, but I know there's so much more that's so good. That's so good. It's, uh, it's really that self-analysis and, and being willing to step away from the situation. Sometimes we're just so go-go that we don't want to be default into our normal reactions, our normal just ways of being, but we don't take the time to step back and, mm -hmm. step and ask the right questions, not mm -hmm. with ourselves or what we think, but asking the right person the question, where am I mm -hmm. on the line? And I love how you're talking about where where do where do I end and you begin? That's right. really good. That is so yeah. I love that. Um, Carol, yeah. Carol here is saying sometimes you set boundaries you feel is are necessary and they backfire. It just makes you so cautious in your feelings. Um, so I mean, I, I would say a couple things about that in particular, and one is um, when you set a boundary, it doesn't guarantee a result. You know, you're not controlling and manipulating other people when you set a boundary. You're setting a boundary in order for you to, you know, if it's at work, it's in order for you to do your job or in order for you, you know, if it's within the context of relationship, it's in order for you to stay healthy within that relationship. And if another person um, decides they don't want to honor that boundary or they don't want to do, you know, step in, then that is, I mean, that that's how it is sometimes. I mean, and that's why we have to get comfortable sometimes with saying, okay, I need to set this boundary. Now, listen, delivery is important. You know, how you approach these things, how you have these conversations, how you set those boundaries is important um, because you want to do it from a place of honoring other people and yourself. Um, so because in the same way that you say, hey, this is a boundary I need in this relationship for this to, to work. You can also you need to be able to say, what is something you need? You know, are there adjustments I need to make in order to make it healthier for you? And so there is that kind of give and take relationally um, where you're not just honoring your own value in, in the context of the relationship, but also honoring others um, to make it workable for everybody. And to the extent, I mean, the people, the thing is, is like boundaries do determine compatibility. They really do. If you're setting them correctly, they determine compatibility. Anyone can coexist if they're willing to lay down all their wants and desires and needs. Anyone can coexist, okay? But is that healthy? Is that productive? Is that good for you? Is that good for them? No, that's not good for anybody. And so when you're truly setting boundaries with people that are really like your people, those boundaries work because both of y'all are moving towards the same thing. You know, you're moving towards healthy relationship and being healthy within the context of that relationship. And if someone asks me, hey, Erica, this is what I need from you. As long as that, like if I'm invested in that relationship, as long as it doesn't compromise me as a person, then I can make an adjustment. You know, sometimes it doesn't need to go exactly how I want it to go. Um, I and, and making an adjustment in order to make it a more smooth transition is something I can accommodate. You know, if if whatever that is, you know, in, whether it's in work life or otherwise, you know, I I had a coworker at one time who was very passive aggressive, a very insecure leader. And I it wasn't like I was the only one who felt like threatening to her. You know, like I just felt like she's just kind of threatened by the world a little bit. Um, but there were times when she would be heading up something and I would come assist. 
um, on whatever she was doing. And I just felt like it was hard. It was really difficult. Um, and I am a person like I realize I have a lot more relational tools than a lot of people. And I'm also a lot more proactive relationally than a lot of people. But I, because I so value and know what healthy, good connection relationship looks like, I do try to emulate that in my relationships. And when I see that's not working, I'm proactive in that. And so I did go to her and I know she would never do this because she's so passive aggressive. She just kind of would send out stingers all over the place. Right. And so I went to her and I said, hey, I'm, I'm noticing whenever we do these things that, um, you know, I'm getting this response from you. I'm not sure if I'm, you know, if there's something, you know, would you rather me do that a different way, you know, and kind of having that conversation with her of, you know, I, you know, I don't mind doing it this way if that would be better for you. Um, but, you know, I you know, and, and still kind of maintaining your own ground, but seeing if you can make an accommodation. And sometimes that when it in and of itself kind of builds some trust relationally and builds value in the relationship um, to be proactive like that. And then I can start doing those things to help diffuse a little bit. Um, it doesn't mean now if it was compromising my ability to do my job, I wouldn't do it. Right. But if it's something I can do that's within reason that will make it smoother and easier for all of us, um, then I don't mind doing that. You know, so sometimes um, sometimes it's going to backfire, not because what you did was wrong, but because the people um, the people have to opt in. I mean, that's that's really at the end of the day, especially when you're dealing with relational dynamics, you know, in, in a work relationship, it's the same thing. Like if if you are telling you know, if someone you're working with, you aren't working well together and you set boundaries at some point, you still have a choice. You can keep um, having the conversations. You can go above them. You can get a new job. You can fire them if you have that, you know, whatever. There are options there. But when we just say this is how it is, this is how it always has to be. We're really delegating control um, for what is ours, you know. And so to the degree that we can control our relationships with other people, we should. Um, in a positive way. Now, I realize we can't do everything, but we can. Um, we have a lot more influence in that process than we give ourselves. And I think most people kind of resign themselves to this is how it is and this is how it has to be. Um, I am very proactive relationally, and this is in work or otherwise. And I feel like that makes a really big difference in your ability to communicate with people. And then when those really hard things come up, it's easier to navigate those because you've had the small ones along the way. Um, so I really feel like those things kind of build, um, but realize that your, um, boundaries are protecting your emotional and mental well-being, And so it is important for you to do that, you know, to establish those when you, um, don't set boundaries for a semblance of external peace, you will in turn sacrifice your own internal sense of peace. And your own internal sense of peace is going to be the thing that changes the quality of your life, not external peace. And so, you know, as believers, we're called to make peace, not to maintain peace. And so those are two totally different things. The word says, to the extent possible, be at peace with everyone. To the extent possible. OK, so that gives us two realities. One, sometimes it's not going to be possible. OK, two. It takes an intentional act to do that. Like it says you have to be intentional in that. Like there are going to be times when um, 
you're not going to be because the other person is not willing to make any adjustments to make the relationship work. And you have to be willing to let them let them go like, oh, OK, that's that's fine. Then I honor I'll honor your choice and we'll go our separate ways. And I wish you the best. Like you you have to be able to let people go um, when they you know, the boundary conversation is really an invitation. It's an invitation to come closer and to make adjustments so that you can do better. And if people don't buy in, you know, you don't want to. Um, and so I guess this would be the caution. You don't want to manipulate and control people and use boundaries as a um, your shield for unforgiveness. You know, and I do think people do that. You know, they'll, they'll kind of put like, this is my boundary. But really they're completely walking in unforgiveness and they're withholding love and affection and access to punish you. That is unhealthy. That is not how boundaries work. That is manipulation and control. That's something totally different. As believers, we are called to forgive. That's a command, right? The gift to us through forgiveness is that we begin to heal. And boundaries is that process that assists us in that healing place to be able to heal and to not keep repeating the same patterns and to not come up against the same thing over and over again. So, yeah, That's so good. I'm going to get so many awesome quotes from this interview. <laughs> I love it. Is there a difference? I was just thinking about this right now. Is there a difference between personal boundaries with yourself, like boundaries you create mm. for yourself versus boundaries you create externally with other people? Um, you know, I, I think from that standpoint, you know, like with my, with, I guess within myself, um, you know, knowing your own limitations, you know, is kind of one of, in that category of knowing your own limitations and knowing what you actually need. You know, um, like I'm a person, this is a really kind of lame example, but I feel like I kind of need more sleep than other people. Okay. And that's, and, and I used to feel really, sh I felt shame about that. Like somehow it made me lazy, um, but it's not, and I don't get obnoxious amounts of sleep, but I am saying like, I, during the week, I get a normal amount of sleep, but on the weekend, I will try to get extended sleeps and it's because it's restorative for me. OK, so I have a boundary around that to ensure that I get that on the weekend because it recharges me. And so I have to be OK with the fact that that's something I need that others don't need. And like, I'm not going to let other people make me feel bad about it or feel, you know, because people really do. It's amazing how people like if your things you need aren't what they need, they can think you're ridiculous or whatever. And it's like, mm, that's good. And I'm like real good about saying, hey, I just need this. And so that's what I do. So, yeah, I won't be seeing anybody at that time in the morning on Saturday. You know, it's like, you know, so I do think there are things where within yourself you have to be, OK, this is really what helps me do well in life. And I'm not going to apologize. So you make, you know, and, and expecting things out of yourself, you know, if you have a gift or somebody else has a gift and you're just kind of mediocre at some particular thing, understanding that they have a gift and not holding yourself to this like outrageous, you know, standard that, you know, you have a gift that is really places you can shine and to really dive into those and to hone, I guess, on those. But I would say external to yourself, um, you know, if you don't have the personal ones, it's going to be very hard to have the external ones. Mm -hmm. You know, if you don't value and know what's important to you and know 
Um, these things are cornerstones for me. These are things that help me show up in life really well. These things, if these things are not present in my life, I don't do well in these other places of life. Like when you start realizing those things, that's what's really going to fuel and give you power behind your ability to set like uh, boundaries with people because you so believe and know it to be true. So you don't apologize about it. And you, you're also not defensive about it. Like, I don't feel defensive whenever I have to say, no, I'm not doing that because this is, you know, I need to do this. I don't feel like I have to be like, well, but, you know, no, you know, or I don't or, hey, you may not need it, but I need it. You know, and, you know, I don't feel any of those kind of ways because I feel I have wrestled that down within myself and I've come to peace with the fact that these are my these matter to me. And it's OK if it doesn't matter to you. You know, I'm, a, I'm also allowing you to make adjustments as you need to. And you to place value on the things that you place value on. Um, but I do, I do think it's hard to establish boundaries externally if you don't have them internally. Um, yeah, that's excellent. I like that. Um, is there is there such a thing as faith boundaries when you when you think about your faith? Is there I don't know why that just came to mind, but my faith. I mean, I. Everything I've talked about to me is rooted in my faith. I mean, everything that. Um, I think you have to steward your life. I mean, like that's the call of the Lord. Like there is a stewarding of your life. And that means the things that the Lord's called you to, you have to place priority on the things that the Lord has instilled in you, the gifts, the talents, those are your responsibility to steward and to utilize um, the people God has entrusted to you. That's your responsibility to steer, you know, and so I think there is faith and boundaries go hand in hand because those are the things that allow you to invest where you should and to steward it well. And so I don't see a separation there at all. I see it as as the implementation of of the other, you know, to to do one, you've got to implement the other. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't see a separation there. I mean, I'm, of course, you could separate it, but. For me, I mean, that goes back to that thing of what fuels me and gives me the confidence to step out in my boundaries. Like as a woman of faith, that fuels me, you know, is I have to say, like, I don't have to. I choose to say yes to these things. And because I say yes to those before the Lord, like there's conviction behind that. There's a there's a sense of responsibility and of privilege. I have to say no to these other things. And I don't apologize about that. And I don't feel bad about that. I have I don't struggle a lot with saying no. And I know that's a lot, you know, for a lot of people, that's, that's a hard one. Like they really struggle with saying no. And I, <laughs> I'm not sure I ever really struggled with it. <laughs> um, I've always kind of had a pretty strong will. Um, but there were definitely times when I would say yes to things that I wanted to do at the cost of things that I needed to do, you know? And so, I mean, and that's probably a different thing. Like, I want to go have fun, but I need to do this other thing that's important right now. And sometimes making the wrong choice. So in that way, yes. But not in a sense of like everybody asking me to do 40 million things and me saying yes to everything. Like, I I would say, and I would say especially over the past probably 15 or 20 years, I mean, like, when I look at my... I, I am a pretty high capacity person. So a lot of times I can take a lot of stuff, but I go through seasons where I don't have the grace for that. And in those seasons, I have to scale down. And, you know, the, I don't love that. <laughs> I don't love that. But I have to be real with myself and know what I have the grace and capacity for within those seasons, you know. Um, so, yeah, I mean. 
that's amazing. I love it. And I, um, I a thousand percent agree. And I think, I mean, it just comes down to, because all of these things you're talking about, it sounds amazing. Um, and then people could be looking at you well, but look at her. She's the she's the goal getter. She's the the one who you know gets all the things done. She looks very confident in herself. She's beautiful. You know, she has this presence about her. You know, all of these things, right? So how can I do what she's doing? It just it people could look at you and then automatically oh. just assume it's it's something out of their like capacity. Mm. But looking over here doing this, what would you say to that person? Well, that would make me really sad because honestly, like I am just like you guys, like I come from so much brokenness. <laughs> uh, if you knew like my childhood story, like there's so there's so much brokenness there that the Lord had to redeem and restore in me. And there were so many places where, you know, um, when you're in really hard seasons, you know, and I, God, I want to say about four years ago, I went through kind of a health scare and uh, scare in the sense, not like. Um, I just had a lot of things not going right health wise. And I am a pretty healthy person and it turned me inside out. Like I had acne all over my face. My hair was falling out. I was gaining weight. Like it was like all kinds of like, and I felt miserable in my body 24 seven. And I, it made me very, very, very hyper insecure. Um, because all I could think about was how awful I felt all the time. And relationally, I felt like I wanted to talk about my misery all the time <laughs> and having to hold back. And, and literally, because it was such a big pivotal point in my life, I didn't have a lot to talk about. And so a lot of times when I would go and try and, and I was in a transition season as well that year. And so I was making new friends. And I remember showing up relationally to those places and really struggling, uh, really struggling to. I did not do boundaries relationally well at that time. Um, that year I really struggled because I allowed a lot of things, you know, and you think about with, with boundaries, like you give people permission to come in or go out. You decide how much they access they get or how much access they don't get. You decide, you know, like that's the thing about boundary lines, you know, like, I mean, like if you imagine a house on a door, like you say, who comes in, you look out the people, is this safe? Is this not? But because I was so off kilter, it made me also be off kilter with other people. And I would get in my car after being with, you know, like new friends. And I was like embarrassed of myself. I'm like, what, why did I talk about all those things? Why did I tell them? And I was letting people in to vulnerable places that really didn't need to be there. You know, they weren't invested relationally yet. Um, and that was not serving me well, but I was in such a season of upheaval and just insecurity and, um, as I started getting like some answers on health and like getting that resolved and I began to like, okay, I'm, 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 my feet are back on the solid ground again, immediately began to change how I was doing relationship again and showing up. And I had to start, I had to shift like some of those relationships, um, I let go and some of those relationships and, and some of them, I wouldn't say I let go in the sense of like, but I knew I didn't need to invest there. So they became like more of acquaintances, friends instead of friend friends, because I was I was compromised in that season of, and I just wasn't making good choices. So it's not like we don't all go through stuff that like compromises our ability to do that. But then, you know, as we're navigating and, and seeking the Lord through that and we're getting answers and we're getting healthier, we have to start doing the things that help facilitate and navigate the life we want. 
And, you know, so as soon as I started getting some, some traction um, back in my life and get starting to feel a little bit healthier again, I started looking around going, these, this, these relationships are not serving me well at all. And I need to make some changes and I need to reevaluate how much I'm investing here um, and how much access I'm giving here, you know? And so I would definitely, please don't think I have it all together. I do not. Anyone that knows me knows I don't have it all together. Um, I have my days just like everybody else. Um, the probably difference is only like, I've really developed a lot of good tools and I've got a great tool belt. And so when I get off kilter, I can always dig into that that deal, you know, that tool belt and begin to start implementing those tools that I know that lead to success in my life and restore that sense of balance and restore that sense of good connectedness and healthy relationships. I love that. That's a perfect answer. <laughs> and if you think about like, I mean, I, and I would probably like, this is a good like, when you're setting those relationships up with people and you're like going, Hey, you know, cause I, I know people are always scared of the people that walk away, you know, the people that won't buy in and the people that, you know, if I set this boundary, they're not going to respect it or they're not, you know, and there, there has to be enforcement of a boundary for it to be effective, you know? And so there's always going to be that those people that choose to walk away. But if we look at it biblically, like when Jesus set the boundary, like when the young, you know, the young rich, a um, man came to Jesus and was like, hey, how do I get eternal life? What all do I need to do? What good deeds? And Jesus is like, live out all the commandments. He's like, I'm doing all that. What else? And he's like, if you want to be perfected and complete, invitation to deeper intimacy, new access, you want to really do the deal. Then go sell all your possessions, give it to the poor and come follow me. And what happened was the young ruler went away sad because he had so many possessions. It wasn't worth it to him. The cost was too high. He wasn't willing to make the adjustments in order to sustain and go that deeper level with, with Jesus. And guess what happened? Jesus let him walk away. Jesus did not go running after him, trying to convince him or manipulate him or strong arm him into why he needed to be doing what he told him to do. He didn't do any of those things. He honored that that man's choice and allowed him to, because at the end of the day, he has to make the choice to opt in. So you have to like let people make those choices. Don't try to manipulate people with your boundaries, you know, <laughs> or control them with your boundaries. What you're doing with your boundaries is you're setting your own internal gauge and you're inviting people to partner with you to make healthier relationship and healthier connections. Um, and you're protecting the things that matter to you. And some people are going to get that and some people are not. And you have to be willing to let go of the ones that are not. I love it. If there was one thing you can tell people right now as like an action step. Okay, so all this information has just been amazing. What, how do I get started? Like what is my first action step that I could do tonight or tomorrow morning? I would maybe, um, because if they're tuning into this particular one, I'm assuming maybe, um, I would ask maybe one or two questions like, what am I doing right now that is genuinely not my responsibility? What have I taken on that's genuinely not my responsibility? And what have I given someone else power to do that is my responsibility? And the reason why, you know, because if you're doing that in, in life or in work, so if it's a relationship at home, if it's your spouse and you've got, you know, you're taking on a responsibility for, um, 
I don't know, I just heard this the other day, they were talking about a kid with um, a grown kid who the parent was like twisting herself up, trying to figure out how to pay the student loans back for the child, the adult child. And that is a lack of boundaries. That is literally like a, a perfect example of there not being, um, the parent is taking the responsibility for the yard the property of the child and the child is the one and it's a grown child he really needs to be the one that takes responsibility for that now the parents can help facilitate and you know do whatever but the internal angst and everything they were having about it is because they had taken their own their made his property their own mm -hmm. and so you know if you're looking at in work life or whatever like whose job am i doing that is really their job to do mm -hmm. and you know, you can gauge that by how much frustration you have, your frustration level with what's going on. Like, is this your job or is this someone else's? And as you start sorting through that and, and not just getting away from the recognize the emotional part is indicators that something's off. Right. But it's not where you want to make your decision from. It's informing you that there's a problem, but it's not where you want to make your decision from. So once you kind of recognize that emotion and that it's driving you to that conclusion, then you can kind of step back and say, OK, like, so if this is their responsibility and I have taken ownership for it, how can I have a conversation where I say this is your responsibility? I have and it may be something as simple as saying, hey, you know, I realize I've been doing this and that's partly on me because I've been sending the message that I was willing to do this, but really this is your job and it is, I'm, I don't have the bandwidth for it. And so I'm going to need you to step up and do this part of your job. I'm going to be expecting that um, because I cannot carry the load of that, you know? And so if it's, and if it's relational, it's the same way. It's, Hey, we agreed to this. I've been the one taking you know, trying to make that happen all the time, whether it's through nagging you or pushing you constantly doing those kind of things. And I'm going to allow you to carry the weight of that, you know. And so I think just kind of stepping back, I think the first question is like you have to ask yourself, like, where are those places where there are boundaries that are not being honored? You know, where have you not established boundaries? Because you're not going to be able to implement a boundary if you don't really see that the boundary has been violated. Mm hmm. Is that a, is that helpful? A thousand. Oh, yes. Okay. Okay. That's really, okay. really. I think that's okay. a great starting point. And mm -hmm. then we'll segue from that into, okay, that's a great starting point. And people may need more help around yeah. this topic and other things. So how can, um, how can these faithpreneurs get uh, in contact with you? And um, I know you offer coaching and different things as well. Mm -hmm. um, so give us give us your information so yes so right now so my personal i mean sorry my business facebook page and website are under construction right now so unfortunately those are not in they will be in play but they're not at the moment um so but you can find me on my personal instagram and facebook page you can find me on linkedin as well um but if you email me you can email me at erica at erica leblanc.com i think my name should come up there for spelling purposes, but it's E-R-I-C-A at E-R-I-C-A-L-E-B as in boy, L-A-N-C dot com. Um, and if you'll email me, then I would love to communicate and stay in touch with you. Now, obviously, I offer a lot of coaching for um, 
people to really step in touch with their God-given, you know, purpose identity, help shift mindsets, confront limiting beliefs, um, utilize the power of choice and develop healthy confrontation skills, basically just helping build those um, systems and uh, self-awareness accountability to make intentional life choices to increase things like self-esteem, greater professional and personal growth and healthier relationships. Um, so if that is something you're interested in coaching wise, and of course, email me at Erica at EricaLeBlanc.com, and I would love to give you a free consultation. Um, and then just for people, if you mention that you are here from um, the Faith Led Business Podcast and Monica, then I would be willing to give you 15% off your first month of coaching. So that's just a little plug there. Um, but I will also I'm, I'm in the process of establishing some group coaching um ideas in some uh, webinars. So if you want to stay in tune on that, also email me at Erica LeBlanc. I'm sorry, Erica at EricaLeBlanc.com. And I will be sure to, as you know, be able to stay in touch as those things roll out. I love it. Thank you so much, Erica. This yeah. is such a positive, just very informative, confirming uh, conversation. And I know that this is really going to benefit uh, quite a few of the faithpreneurs watching here and listening on the podcast as well. So thank you so much for your time. I can't wait to have you come back because uh, I know you have many more topics <laughs> to talk about. And, um, and I think it's going to be just fabulous too. Um, thank you so much for having me, Monica. You're such a blessing. Thank you. And thank you for what you're giving out to the world right now. Like the way you're like providing a platform for people to get educated and to have connection and community within the faith world and entrepreneurial world. I think it's amazing. So thank you for that. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. And so, all right, guys. Well, we will see you tomorrow for another episode of the Faith Led Business Podcast. This has been just fabulous. Listen to it over and over and over again because I wish I, you know, I can't keep notes so quickly. I, I basically <laughs> am hanging on every single word. So <laughs> I'm just really excited about this one. And, um, and we will be chatting soon then. Thank you so much again for your time, Erica. Yes, thank you.